0: Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Hungarian Football Podcast. Um we're we're in positivity mode at, at the minute as well, which is which is really rare and a revelation. So while we're riding these good times, uh, joining us as always is Thomas Mortimer. Hi, Tom.
1: Hey, Gary. How you doing?
0: Good, thank you, sir. Good, thank you. And uh, on the other side of the pond is Chris Barrett. Hey, Chris. Hey, Gavin. Hope you can hear me from all the way over here. Uh, a little bit, like, blah, 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 but that's all the water in between, I'm guessing. So, but uh, good to have you here, guys, as always. Um, so, positivity, like I was saying, like Hungarian football at the moment, like we said on the last podcast, is is wow. And and we've just gone up. We've gone up levels now as well. Um, so, best place to start, I think, is back, uh, what are we looking, maybe 10 days ago now, uh, in Sofia, where it was Bulgaria 1, Hungary 3, in our um, European, what do we call it now? Is it, are we going for... European Championships 2020 or 21 which one do we go with um get the branding for 2020 yeah I'm guessing there's a lot of um <laughs> sort of branded stuff that's gonna be weird um but Tom you were you was there in the stadium representing and um give us a feel of like what was it like being in the stadium first of all we, I think there was like about 2,000 fans there
1: yeah I think a little bit more um I think they were i think they said about six and a half seven, oh, they okay. did make a bit of a racket as well to be fair um a lot of like it was kind of uh a bit jarring to be in a stadium or to even just watch a game with fans in it, never mind like on t v or actually being there and it felt just very normal to be honest. We had to wear a mask the whole time everyone had to wear a mask it was in the ground um but yeah, they they created quite a, quite a noise. Um, the Bulgaria fans. I think there was probably seven Hungarian journalists, and that was they were the only supporters. Um, so every time Hungary scored, um, the only kind of voices you could hear were literally the players on the pitch, because no away fans at all. And like you just heard the players like screaming. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty. It was a. Amazing night, nice, to be honest. I was having to celebrate very silently every time we scored um, <laughs> with a guy next to me, <laughs> uh, Matodi, I don't know if people know him off Twitter, who was, um, yeah, not too best pleased, to be fair.
0: And what was the mood like in, in Bulgaria? Were they confident a- ahead of this or um, or not bothered? Or Not bothered probably a bit strong, but, you know, what, what was the kind of feeling amongst um, Bulgarians? They were really bothered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 saw this
1: as their biggest game in 16 years since they last qualified for the Euros. Like it was mammoth. Like it was, it was a huge game. Everyone you spoke to um, there was like saying it's such a big game. They were so excited. I think like that's maybe why the Bulgarian fans that were there were really noisy, like... Um, one one side of the stadium were doing a chant and the other side of the stadium doing a chant, like everyone who was there was involved as well. Um, yeah, this was massive to them. Like, and, and yeah, the excitement was palpable um, and confident. Yeah, probably. I don't think, I didn't think they expected it to turn out the way it did um, with us just winning fairly comfortably in the end. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I think they were maybe a little bit shocked by how good Hungary were on the night. Though we did get a little bit fortunate, I think.
0: Yeah, um, uh, Chris, like fo- focusing a little bit on the game now. Um, obviously, the, w- the Bulgaria were were quite impressive. I thought on the ball, they were not necessarily keeping it simple. There were there was little flicks and tricks, and they were all kind of working for them. And and kind of thought oh, we're in for a. We're in for a long night here, but, um, you know, it, it's Willie Orban obviously settled down the, uh, settled down the nerves, like quite quickly. Um, when the starting lineup was announced, what kind of jumped off the team sheet, um, at you, Chris? Uh,
2: well, I felt like they were, um, lining up with that three, five, two, I think. Um, at least that's what it looked like to me, um, with Shalai Long, uh, Long and Orban on the back um, kind of felt like they were going to go for it. You know, I think when we talked about it early on, I thought, you know, this is going to be a really defensive game. It's going to be um, decided by one goal. You know, we talked about nil-nil or penalties or one nail or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I think Kalmar starting was a little bit of a surprise for me. Um and uh, we know we also talked about uh, Shiger, um starting too would have been uh, something that maybe uh, jumped off the team sheet for me as well. So starting with those five midfielders, um, and uh, still not quite sure why Hollander is starting, but you know he did as well. And I mean, you can't argue with results. Um, I thought I thought Kalmar was a big part of the. Um, the attack. I mean, he's the one that, uh, uh, they used on set pieces. He's the one that, um, put in the, the corner for Orban to some, somehow bundle home. I'm not sure if that was a header or if it came off another part of his body. Um, uh, Tom was probably closer. I didn't really get to see a rebound or a replay on that, but, um, you know, I, I felt like, uh, I felt like he, he did really well. Other than that, um, you know, um, I felt like it was pretty much standard, standard Hungary. I was just really uh, impressed or it impressed upon me that they were really going to go for it in terms of, um, you know, taking it to them. And then after they had gotten that first goal, like you said, I feel like Bulgaria really did run the rest of that second half. Um, Nedelev and and Kryev I think were, uh, were two that really stood out for me. Uh, Kryev being, um, really, I mean, one or two touches away from really turning the game around a couple times before halftime. But uh, I think Galaxy got um, maybe lucky, or was it skill? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that uh, tip of the boot save on Krajav right before halftime. So, um, yeah, there was a little bit of luck. I think Hungary deserved a little bit of luck. Um, They may need some more of it against Iceland, but... um, you know, I, I feel like they played a, a fairly good game, and um, um, felt felt like I think the just the strategy coming into the game really served them well, and and I think
1: they got a deserved result. Mm. He was actually asked, um, he was actually asked that question in the in the press conference, um, uh, Galachi, about whether it was luck or or judgment. And he actually did say it was mostly luck, was kind <laughs> of going the wrong way, and he just kind of hit his foot. But I thought if you watch the replay. He kind of stuck his foot out there a little bit, so I think he's kind of been harsh on himself there. Yeah,
0: definitely thought the same. Um, Tom, this lineup, up as, as we've just surprised, uh, like, like talked to with Chris, um, now, this game is obviously hugely important to us. We, we said about how important it was to Bulgaria, but for ourselves as well, it's, it, it's incredible. Um, is this team as good as it gets? that we started against Bulgaria or you know what's the adjustments that you would have made
1: yeah I think I think probably um as good as we could have put out in that game especially like I think Soboslay obviously to come back into that team is really exciting um like you say it was interesting that he went with Colmar but Colmar's had a really good season at dots this um, so far, he's actually scored nine goals in ten games in the league, which is um, his highest return um, ever as a, as, a, as a player so far. So he's really in form, and I guess I think we saw it across the three games. It's how good he was. And it's really good to see him um, get that game time with Hungary because he's not really been a been much of a fixture in in games so far. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how. He uh, Rossi kind of deals with that when Soboslay's back. Can he play Kalmar and Soboslay in the same team? Um, I actually asked him after the match if that is possible, and he said, um, <laughs> he basically said, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see um, in training to see if these guys can actually fit together in the in the same team. Um, apart from that, I, I'd, I'd probably like to see Botka start ahead of Long. I I, I think. Vodka did well against Russia and I don't particularly trust Long. Um, but I think one of the really real positives sorry, from the last few games is um, has been uh, Attila Zolai, who I thought was really shaky against Russia in the home leg. But I thought in, in all three games, three games in six days as well, let's not forget, um, with travel from Bulgaria to Serbia to Russia, um, he played in all games, plays I think I think uh, the tournament seventy minutes and was, was quality, like defensively and on the ball. Um I think he's a real shining light and he's only twenty-two. Um and then having someone like Willie Orban besides who had a bit of a ten minute mare um in the in the Russia game, but apart from that was was class. Um I think he only played about thirty minutes in Serbia. Um I think, yeah, I think this is as good as it gets. Um, It was good to see Nago get a bit of um, game time as well. Um, And he could be a real threat going forward because we saw his pace on the counter attack at times in that Russia game. He was was quite quiet. Um, It's weird because if you look at our team and you look at players who, um, look at where the players are playing, um, apart from obviously Joroban, Galachi, um, Zolai and, and Shalai, um, they're all kind of playing in weak leagues, uh, and a lot of them obviously in Hungary as well. But they just seem to play so well as a team, which is which is what you want. If you kind of compare that to the Serbia team, and I'm sure we'll come on to Serbia in a second, um, and see where those players play. They're playing a lot of their players play at massive European clubs, and we we were a better team in that game
0: yeah absolutely it's a, it's a really good really good shout tom and and talking about that that midfield that that we do have um we we've got some really good midfielders um we've obviously got Gazdag who's yet to do it at international level but is you know doing brilliantly at, at, at club level um what do we think is going to happen with Adam Nodge? Because uh, he's out of favor at Bristol City big time. Um, it's not looking like he's going to get anywhere near the, the the first team, you know, unless there's going to be some injuries and stuff like that. Um, and I just felt like in in the game that he he didn't necessarily do the simple stuff, and he was almost trying to do uh, what what we would have thought. Soborszky would have done. He tried to give that bit of creativity and that, which isn't really his game. He's obviously, you know, defensive midfielders is his party piece. Um, what do you think is the ideal three for for Hungary in the middle there? Soborszky is obviously a gimme. Um, do you call him up and just hope he performs at international level, or or do we go with people that are playing football?
1: Um,
0: it, yeah, it's tough. Um, I, I would play him because I
1: think Nodge is so important for for Hungary. Um, I, don't, I, I don't really think Sigir quite been at the level, at international level so far. Um, I don't mind him, but I think Nodge is just much better. And I, I think when Sobos lies in that midfield, it, it means that Nodge like, um, probably has less responsibility um in in making those creative movements going forward and stuff um i think yeah i definitely keep playing him it is annoying about him not playing at bristol city um but yeah i mean we've seen with adam zola who's who's barely been in a training session for months. um how kind of off the boil he looked because of that lack of game time so obviously it's a worry um I just think um, I think it'd be dangerous to drop Nodge after after being so important to our team for well, probably since just before Euro twenty sixteen really now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and Chris Kalmar, uh, we, we obviously Tom spoke yeah. about his form. He he's he scored again today. I'm not sure if he got one or two, but he's um he's certainly scored again today. Um, having two creative players in that midfield, um, it is that, can they play together? I mean, every international side seems to have that problem where can X play with Y? But do you see any reason why, especially in the three and, and, and the space that they could give themselves, pushing themselves around, why we can't have those two creative players in there with, like Tom said, nodging in, in, in the centre there, keeping things, um, keeping things tight?
2: I mean, you like to think that you can have that luxury. You know, I mean, obviously when you play... Uh, two creative players in the midfield that means you're taking something out of somewhere else um you know i think the first two games they they played the the three in the middle with uh kamar nadj and um shiger in the first game and then against serbia replacing gazdag with shiger and i I agree with you tom i think i think gosh gazdag was a little bit better um he seemed more uh i don't want to say influential but i mean i feel like he um he seemed to gel a little bit better in the in the game in Serbia against Serbia um and then i think they moved and again I, I i admitted to you guys earlier i didn't see the russia game um i think they moved to a, um straight up was it was it a 442 or something against russia i'm not sure or a, um what what did they play against russia
1: i think they still played the 352 but with um with nikolic and and live up top, so it was very little movement, really. Okay, yeah. So I mean,
2: I, you know, I, I, whatever happened um, there, I mean, Rossi obviously uh, put together the team. I think he felt was gelling best. They had, they got good results. They didn't lose. I mean, if you think about this, three years ago, two years ago, when we were doing this, talking about international matches, we were we were drawing and losing to teams like Andorra. So, um, you know, we're, we're at a place now or Hungary's at a place now where I I don't know. It seems to me that they're, they're, they're playing a lot better football. I think Rossi is a big part of that. And I think what he brings uh, to the squad in terms of preparation, mental um, tactical uh, has helped. And it's, it is really difficult to come together after, you know, not really playing together for a while, getting a bunch of players who haven't played, regular football at their clubs and playing three games in six days, six, three games in a week and getting results like that. Um, I I just, I don't know. It gives me hope, I think for, for moving ahead. This is a whole new different time, uh, in the world. And, uh, you know, I think with football in general, uh, with no fans, with all these different regulations, all these different things that are now put upon the players as well. And I, I think a big part of it is, um, uh, and I'm going off a little bit here on this, but I, I think a lot of it is, is mental preparation and it is a, a you know, culture that you're breeding, uh, with the team. And so, uh, even if you have someone who maybe isn't technically as good or is as talented, but they bring something else to the team, um, you know, I think it's important to have a winning mentality. I think it's important to believe that they can go out there and get a result and, um, you know whatever happened over this last week or so of the international games, uh, this is a squad that put together three positive results and uh, are now on their halfway on their way to the European championship So um, I don't know. I like what I saw and uh, I like the players um, that are in there. Again, I'm, I'm still not really sure. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm not convinced of Hollander being there. I think there are other options, but um, um, what do you guys think? I,
0: I, I, said the other day on, on Twitter that, uh, uh, if you would have said to me that Marco Rossi would have us to the, uh, on the verge of qualifying for, um, European championships, that would have laughed in your face at, at the time when he, uh, left Tonved after an awful, awful spell, uh, only to come back and turn them into league champions. And then, uh, you know, the rest is history. Um, Do you think Marco and his his backroom staff, um, Tom, have some kind of, not wizardry is the wrong word, because obviously that doesn't exist, but he just seems to be able to make these players believe that they're far, far better than than they actually are. Yeah, I completely agree. I couldn't really put
1: it any better. That is exactly what he does. Like, we go into every game, like, thinking we can win it, which is mad. Like I say, like, look at our team on paper. Like, Attila Zola played, like, I don't know, Maldini not far off in these three games. He plays in Cyprus. Um, yeah. You've got Colmar running the show uh, in two of the three games, plays in Slovakia. Like, I I know these players are talented, but the... The, what they're putting in at the moment, that the performances they're putting in at the moment are way above the um, the level that's expected of them. Of them, and I think I think there is a, a definitely a degree of of him instilling this insane confidence in them, and and a and a real kind of yeah, just real insane belief that that that, that we are way we are definitely good enough for this and. And I think I don't think he gets the credit actually. I I I don't think I don't think he's particularly um I think maybe because of Bern Stalk's achievements not too long ago, it was obviously we qualified for the Euros four years ago. Um but say we hadn't qualified for the um the Euros four years ago and we this is our first potential chance of qualifying for a tournament thirty four years, I think everyone would be so excited right now. Um, and everyone would be, would be thinking Rossi's an absolute genius mm. but I think because we've al- almost got these um, we've kind of been there recently so we kind of feel like we deserve to be there maybe uh, all the time but like Chris said we, we, when we started doing this part two or three years ago we were losing to Andorra we were, losing, uh, we were drawing to the Faroe Islands um, losing to Luxembourg the transformation um, in such a short period of time with uh, limited players, um, and I know obviously it helps to, that we have a world-class talent in, in Live coming through, but obviously he didn't play these last three games, and we've got Willy Orban, which we didn't have before. He's obviously a massive help, but um, yeah, I think he's doing an unbelievable job, and, and like you say, when he left Tonde at that time after kind of just coming in as almost like a joke figure and, and crazy things were happening, like Lanza Farmer was getting sent off for stopping one of his teammates get a penalty. How far he's come and how far um, he's taken this Hungarian side, I don't think it's um, appreciated enough. I think he's done an unbelievable job.
0: All right, good shout. And I think he's arguably got a, a, a worse talent pool than than Stalk had to to pick from as well. There's obviously no jack there's no guerra um, so yeah the the job that he has done is is absolutely phenomenal um Chris you've watched mb one enough to know uh, of this player who um, scored for us against Serbia um you could have picture odds I think on on him being the the first goal scorer in that game talk, talk us about talk to us about big norby making his debut at thirty one years old
2: yeah it's funny because in the last podcast we were we were actually joking about you know what does he really have to offer that other players can not offer and apparently Norbert uh Connies can put the ball in the back of the net, and I was really impressed too, because the goal, if you remember it, you know he comes sliding in with a defender on him and it goes down easily. I thought maybe he was trying to draw a penalty. But the, the, the ball just kind of showed up and anybody might've just tried to roll around the ground, get a penalty, but he popped back up, pulled that ball away from the keeper, rounded the keeper and put it into an open goal. And I mean, again, it goes back to that idea of we're going to do everything we can to win. It's, it's a mindset, um, you know, uh, call it sports psychology court, call it whatever. Um, you know, he, he just got up and did it and, uh, he's a big player, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, Yeah. Is he anything special? No. You know, I mean, he's a he's a uh, above average Hungarian talent. And but out there uh, watching him score that goal, I was just so impressed. I watched it again before the podcast just to kind of, you know, go through some of the goals and all that. And uh, of all the goals, I just thought that was most impressive because it really just kind of – Uh, it reflects this attitude that we're talking about, you know, with, with Hungary is that they're going to go in and do everything they can to, to, to get a result. And, and really that's all they needed. Now on the other side of this, one of the things that I wanted to mention is uh, you know, for, for a number of years uh, Hungarian pessimism has always brought in this negativity. Uh, Bad luck has followed this team in a number of uh, ways. I mean, we've had chances and stuff, Recently, and especially over this last week, I saw a lot of opportunities where we were let off the hook on a number of occasions. I think, you know, even against Bulgaria the end of the first half and even the end of the second half, um, you know, after uh, they scored that, uh, that late goal, they could have scored a second (laughs) if it wasn't for um, Orban coming in and making that last ditch challenge. At times they'll, they'll shut off, you know, when they went ahead against Serbia Serbia was hammering them, and if it wasn't for like some really awful misses by, um, I think uh, Luka Jovic had one uh, where he was unmarked and, and just got a weak header off, and then Gasanovic had a deflected shot, and then also shot over the bar again. I mean, there there were a number of opportunities where I felt Serbia um, probably should and could have gone ahead, uh, but we got we got lucky, and I think I, I think we can't discount that. You know, again, this isn't a great team. This isn't a team that's going to go win the Euros and surprise everybody. Watch it happen. But uh, um, they're they're not going to do that. They're playing well and they're playing within themselves and they're playing with confidence. Um, but again, you you can't become an astronaut just because you want to be an astronaut. At some point, the law of averages is going to catch up. I'm afraid, and um, you know they'll 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 equal out to their uh, to their level of competition. But right now. I'm happy to ride
0: the train. Yeah, I think, um, Tom, that we, we're all guilty of it. Um, we, we look at the team on paper before the match starts and we, we take a big sigh and think, oh, God. Uh, and they keep proving us wrong and proving us wrong and proving us wrong. Um, I think possibly now under Rossi that the difference is that as as Hungarians, we believe that um let's live in the moment let's enjoy what's going on it's far too easy to look at what's coming through we're guilty of it here on this podcast but you know that's what we talk about but but you know what cut what is isn't coming through um is scary but we're kind of not focusing on that at the moment we're just enjoying what we've got let's look at the good times and keep them rolling
1: yeah absolutely i think um i think what chris chris makes a good point as well we we have rode a bit of luck recently um but I think it's luck that we probably deserved we've had a lot of bad luck um I think we had a lot of bad luck in qualifying I remember that um Slovakia game where uh where we really didn't deserve to lose that and it was such a big game at the time I think um I think if we'd have won it we'd have basically pretty much almost qualified for the Euro so I think definitely true that um we've rode a bit of luck and and um uh, Dan, uh, especially over these last three games i hope that doesn't come back to bite us um but it's it's amazing really like we're one one game away a home game away against the team who in iceland who obviously they did well at the euros 4 years ago but they haven't been particularly impressive recently they've they've lost every game in the nations league they only beat romania who won a great team 2-1 um and and when we played them at the Euros, I know we scored a late goal, it's late late equaliser, but I think we were the better team that night. Um, I think I think there's got to be a lot of optimism going into that game. Um, and um, obviously, Chris just spoke about lapses of concentration, and 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 Gabby, you spoke about our players not being um, not looking particularly impressive on on paper and stuff. But if we put out a team. Um that team that we played against um Bulgaria and then add Sobosla to that team, I don't see why we why we don't win that fixture. Um I think another thing that we um haven't even spoken about is, is Galachi's performance um against against Bulgaria and know Chris briefly mentioned his two saves which are which were awesome, um, but I think that's going to do him a load of confidence. Um, he was class in that game. He was. He took the captain's armbands um, off, off Solai when he went off, and he, he wore the captain's armband in the next game. I think and that could be huge. Um, it could be a turning point for his, his um, career for Hungary because, he, as we know, he's not been that impressive for us, and um, we need him to be on form against Iceland. Everything at the moment looks looks good. It looks rosy. Um, it, yeah, it's important to, to acknowledge the luck we've had in the in the past few games. Um, and also, it's I, I, I find it sometimes hard to be optimistic because it makes you um, even sadder when you when you kind of um, lose from from the hope and the expectation that you have. But um, I'm kind of I'm quite optimistic ahead of the icing game. Not gonna lie.
0: No, good shout, mate. We 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 love a bit of positivity, Um, just not too much. Otherwise, you know, give your Hungarian passport back and all that. Um, So the last of our uh, these three international fixtures was away to Russia. Um, We drew nil nil. Now I should have dug dug these stats out beforehand, but I'm pretty sure Russia have scored in in like an absolutely enormous amount of games. we make changes to our side and and, and we get a point. Um, okay, we rode our, our luck with the with the crossbar helping, etc. Um, Botka, Ligo, came into the game, played ninety minutes. Uh, Dibus obviously came in and played at goalkeeper. Um, shaky, impressive, riding our luck, or all of the above. Well, what do you think with that one, Tom? Um, yeah, I think we started that
1: game really well, but, um, another thing I said on Twitter, like, both Serbia and Russia started the game like they didn't almost want to be there. Um, and I think Russia kind of started the game in a similar vein, uh, and we started that really well and, and had a few, uh, half chances, I guess. Um, but yeah, once Russia started to really play, which is in the second half, um, they were really dangerous, but we're sure a good team there. I think they just dropped down from from League A. Um, and obviously, they're top of our group after beating Turkey and Serbia and, and obviously beating us as well. Um, so, yeah, it was always going to be tough. Um, I guess we yeah we did ride a look a little bit, but I remember Nago had a really, really good half chance um, towards the end of the game, which on another day, I guess, could have gone in. Um, and we were also, by this point, knackered. Um, we had Zolai and Nikolic playing up top. Like Zola, as I said, barely been training at Mainz, let alone playing, and he'd played, he'd featured at least in all three games. Um, Orbán had featured in all three games. Zolai, Attila, Zalai that is, um, started all three games. Uh, we were obviously without Soboslai. Um, didn't have Galachi in goal De Bush did really well when he came in like after, th- after the third game out of three um, again within six days like yeah I guess we did ride a lot and we weren't particularly exciting going forward but away in Russia um, yeah you take nil-nil and it's not like we got battered either um, it, yeah pretty impressive I'd say it's more the grit actually that I, was, that I was particularly impressed with in that game. It's like real determination, real spirit from everyone, which is is. I mean, that's what you want to see. Like like I said, this is a team of limited players, and at least you want to see that grit and determination. Which, when it, like Chris said, when we started this pod three years ago, that was completely missing. So just to see that is is lovely.
0: Mm. Um. Chris, these, these nation leagues, uh, they're kind of, they're split in division really between those that think they're an absolute waste of time, they're glorified friendlies. Um, to us smaller nations, they're not. These are, these are huge for us. Um, you know, any, I think any international game is for us. We, we don't tend to play too many meaningless friendlies these days. And obviously we have to realise that... They might be meaningless in the fans' point of view, but to Marco Rossi it's the only opportunity he's going to get to to get his team blend in and spend time with them see what works on the pitch and what doesn't in a, in an action or sort of in a game um so better in that in mind and and the players that he did use um for, for these nation league games and like Tom said you know six days and and, and three games are you surprised that he's it's kind of like he's, he's going for promotion to, to the to the top table rather than using them um to, to kind of see what we do have in reserve
2: yeah i mean you know i mean right now i think they're in second place and um situated fairly well for promotion you know I, I don't know i'm guessing if they ever if they do get up into the into the a division or the a league uh at that point they'll they'll use those games um, more more for uh, development than competition because I think this is about the sweet spot uh, the 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 B League um, thinking that we would go up and be able to play against um, England Spain Germany and and when when that uh, might be a little bit the under depth at least at least at this point but I, I think that that's that's really the question isn't it for him is it do do we want to um, do we want to reach that A Level and see how far we can go, or are we good here? And can we use the, this to, to keep these fairly competitive games, uh, to keep our team sharp and to develop the next wave of Hungarian talent or Hungarian internationals? You know, that's it's really hard to say. I think, I think Hungary needs to decide what they want to be, you know. Um, and I think, uh, in, in the A League, they're punching above their weight a little bit um it, it's a fun story it's great it's kind of like you know um uh Farage Farr is going to play in the Champions League you know do they belong there yes um will will the games be exciting and competitive well they'll be exciting <laughs> uh and they, there may be some competitive games and we've seen that they they do have some talent and they can they can maybe steal a result or two but um uh, you know at the moment I feel like Um, You know, competing at the highest level is probably uh, outside of our depth a little bit. And um, I think for Rusty right now, I think it's important that they develop that culture of um, confidence within where they're at, you know. And if they could sneak into, um, you know, sneak into uh, final events like uh, the World Cup or the European Championships – then that's great, that's wonderful, and uh, everything else. But that, but you know, after that is gravy. But um, you know, uh, I'm talking a lot here. But I, I think the, the main thing is just staying competitive and making sure they're not getting hammered every week. Uh, I think the B level for them in Nations League is good, and I think reaching um, uh, big events like the European Championships or the or, or the World Cup through qualification um, is a stupendous result for them.
0: What's your thoughts? Because um, we've got a habit of beating World Cup finalists, uh, World Cup winners. Um, and like I say, these these larger nations are not necessarily taking this as seriously as um, as you know, us minnows. So with um, coefficient points and things like that um, at stake, what do you think? Um, group A, grab a couple of a uh, couple of results, a draw, uh, you know, a, a, a surprise win. Um, as opposed to kind of getting what we've got at the minute?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one, um, really, because I guess if we got up there and we had, I don't know if this is possible, but to have a a group of Germany, France and Spain, um, would it be very good for our confidence? Would it be good for the fans' confidence in the team um, that we were... Getting battered by these teams every time we showed up to the Nations League, um, I don't particularly think it would be, um, and that that genuine genuinely could be a possibility. Like if you look at the teams in League A, they are all, all pretty much all quality. Like Iceland have lost every game in, like I say, in the Nations League, um, and they're not bad outfit at all. Um, so it it's, it would be really tough if we got the only or the good thing i guess about being in the a league is that um even if we finish bottom you've got a good chance of of making it to this playoff thing that we made because of the nations league last time uh, we made this because of uh, the bulgaria uh, this was because of nations league rather than our group so i think if we um if we were to be in league a we'd almost certainly get at least a um a, a playoff spot which is good um it's just the kind of the what impact that i have on the mental side um because it could just be it could be really grim to watch um and i know like you say these teams don't particularly take it seriously but i don't know say you look at france for example um like they've got like even then the fifth best player is, is is still someone really good, like someone like Anthony Martial, um, who is one of United's best players. So, like, um, they've just got so much quality, these teams. You look at England as well now, like, the amount of quality that they've got in... Like, Jack Grealish can barely get a game for England, and you can imagine him just sticking him in the Hungary team. He'll be by far the best player. Um <laughs> It just shows like how far and away these teams are. So yeah, it would be really tough. It'd be quite exciting, certainly. Um, but whether it would be good for us or not, I don't know.
0: No, yeah, I agree. It's um, it's fans versus um the team, really, isn't it? All the fans want want the big boys, and and the team will probably uh, you know, want to want to keep plugging away and getting these wins. Um, well, November the twelfth. It's the playoff against Iceland, winner takes all. Um, how it'd be interesting to see what, regardless of the result for that game. Um, you know, three days later we play Serbia at home, and then three days after that we're at home to Turkey. So um, it'd be interesting to see how the players can pick themselves up if we go out, or whether they can come down to a to a level if they're buzzing for qualifying. So yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that one definitely. Um that's in the distant future, uh, and next week is a huge, huge week for Hungarian football uh, club level. Um, Ferencvaros are into the Champions League. We discussed that uh, you'd have seen it everywhere as well. Uh, just Barcelona to, um, to to start things off. Chris, what's your thoughts on on the on this game? Absolutely no chance or uh, the unknown. Well, gosh, you know, I, I
2: would love to be really optimistic right now. And I feel like, you know, you're a baseball fan, um, Gabby. And we always say, you know, in baseball, uh, right after spring training and right before the first pitch of the new season, that, um, you know, everyone is in first place. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, hope springs eternal right when 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 everyone is uh, level at the beginning of the competition but I, I you know i i i just don't think the first game being in spain uh they're not going to be playing against you know 60 70 thousand uh, of rabid supporters but it's still going to be i think a really difficult game for them i mean i saw them play kishvarda on friday and um you know, it it took them a while to, to get that first goal. Um, it's, it's different, you know, it's a different mindset. It's a different thing. There's, there's a lot of guys that just don't have, um, uh, experience with these types of games. Yeah. They played and they got to it. They're, they're in the group stage. Um, they were in the group stage, uh, in the Europa league and all that kind of stuff, but this is different, you know, playing Barcelona, um, is going to be i i just think it's going to be a just a massive shock for for a number of them um and uh um i am not expecting really any shocks um i'm thinking at least at least three nil if not more um and i i just i feel like it's going to be a a rude awakening I can't imagine them really, realistically thinking we're going to go in there and get a win. They could. I mean, of course, anything can happen. But you know, as a betting man, I would look at that and say, boy, you know, I would give, I would give Barcelona at least two goals there. I just feel like they're they're also coming into this with high expectations, and I don't think they're going to take anybody lightly. And I think it's going to be really, really difficult for them, um, you know, in this first game to to get a result.
0: Yeah, well, um obviously you mentioned it was a, a, a pretty straightforward two nil win against Kishwada on, on Friday, um for Friday. Um Barcelona have actually lost um this evening to Hetafe. They've lost one nil, um, which is obviously a surprise result. Um Their minds are on Friday, that's why. Say <laughs> that again, sorry.
2: <laughs> I said
0: because their minds are already on Friday, that's why. <laughs> Tom, um Barcelona's in a bit of a weird place at the minute, isn't it? Um c- there couldn't be surely any better time to to face this team in, in the group stage, um, with all the t- turmoil that's been surrounding that club. Yeah, um, definitely true. I think
1: the the only thing because they lost tonight, um their guests are gonna be really fired up. Um, for that game on on, on Tuesday, uh, they're gonna I guess treat it even even more seriously than they um, than they would have done. Um, I guess it is a good time to play Barcelona, but it is Barcelona. I guess like they are an amazing team. They've. They've got players that just roll off the tongue, and even if they're not playing that well, like Griezmann's not really been that great since going there, and Coutinho's not been great since going there, and Dembele's not been great since going there. Um, but they have, they still have Messi, um, who is okay um, at his best, um, and <laughs> and a few other decent players in there. Um, I think you get, I think Chris is probably right. Um, anything better than three 0 is probably a victory for Friday. Um but um, I guess you never know what could happen in this game um, also and as you say have been um, crazy off the field uh, antics over the last few months like they did terribly in the Champions League uh, with that uh, collapse uh, off the field stuff going crazy they check they want I think all the fans want the only to step down. Messi almost left. They bottled the league um, and obviously just lost tonight to Hetafé. So they're not in a great state of um, well, in a position, in a great position. And then it's kind of lucky that the fans aren't in a, uh, the new Camp this weekend, uh, uh, in midweek sorry, because if if Brody somehow take the lead um, and go 1-0 up, like. Have I right, imagine the, the Barca fans because they're they are hating life at the moment, they're hating the board, they're hating the players. Imagine if they um they were in the stadium for that, they would whistle to to high heaven. And um I, and I guess it's a blessing in a way for Barca that the fans aren't there. Um but probably going one and up is, is obviously a lot harder than um, than it sounds and it's it's very unlikely. But you never know. Like football is a is a real mental game. Um and and Barca are in a mental state at the moment. Um but then on the other hand, Messi shows up, Griezmann shows up, Dembele shows up, Coutinho show up shows up. Uh, they've got an um, they've got amazing players. That pitch that they play on is massive. Um they wear teams down with with their passing football, which I know is not quite the same as it used to be, um, they um, it, it it could be if Barca score a couple early, it could be really bad. They beat at Malmo eight nil in a group stage game um, not too long ago, and you never know. It could be five or six. Um, but like being positive, Frody score early, hold on for half an hour, we could see something historic. I'm gonna more uh towards what Chris said and probably expect a three nil or four nil win for Barca to be honest. But um yeah, you never know. Um I think this is a is a huge game for Frodi going forward. Um because if they do get battered six or seven, then we could see the the rest of the group stage go a similar way. But if they if they do put up a really spirited fight and only lose two nil or three one and get a goal themselves then we could see um we could see them compete in every game. It's, it, I think, it's going to be a real, um, a little bit like Hungary when they turned up for the Euros um, four years ago. That first game kind of really set the standard um, for what was to come for the rest of the tournament, and I think this game will do for um, for Friday as well.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, a good shout. Um, it is going to be. It's a a free hit, Chris, don't you think? I mean, you know, like you said, we're we're expecting them to to lose big time. Um, Why not just go for it? Why not play that Friday football that that we see week in, week out, and just have a go? If you're going to get spanked, you don't want to get spanked by playing your defensive football and, uh, you know, putting everyone behind the ball. At least, like, you know, let's get the flair players onto the ball and let's have a go.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear that. I, I do think one thing, though, that you uh, they may want to hold out for, because, I mean, again, they do have uh, Dino Dynamo Kiev in their group. And I think, you know, maybe offline we had talked about, you know, is there a possibility that they could get that third spot? Uh, what you don't want is to lose 8-0 because then your goal differential is out the window, you know. And um, uh, they're they're not really playing – in front of their supporters, honestly. Um, so at this point, you know, I, I would rather play that very conservative. Um, I would rather lose 3-0 than 8-0 or, you know, 3-1 or 4-1 or something like that than to really let it go. I you, I, I wasn't really impressed with them on Friday against Kishvada, quite honestly. I know they won t- 2-0. I know their mind is probably already ahead. But Kishvada actually played very well. And uh, if, if, if it wasn't for, um, you know, a couple of good saves early, it could have it could have gotten really dodgy for them. Um, you know, they, they managed to score. I think that first goal that they scored um, was tight angled really nice. Uh, and then things kind of rolled towards the end. But, uh, you know, it, you, you don't you don't want to lose that first game, you know, go in and just, you know, throw everything all caution to the wind. And get down three now by halftime, and then you know end up losing four, five, six 0 I think it just sets a really bad precedent for the rest of the group. Um, and unless uh, Juventus does the same thing to Dinamo Kiev, then now you're throwing out that third spot, probably the possibility of you eking into the Europa League round of 32.
0: Tom, who do you see? I, I think they'll do really well. In all honesty, to hold on to to Rebrov. Um, for the foreseeable future, He's is an incredible coach. He's done absolute wonders. Um, you know the recruitment that that the team behind the scenes have done is 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 incredible. Um, players wise, who do you think's going to stand out? Um, because let's face it, the whole world is going to be watching now. It's, it's it's scary to think when that Champions League anthem plays um, and you're going to be lined up against Barcelona. It's just mind blowing. Um, obviously, then we've got the other group games. Who do you think is going to stand out um, and possibly get a move away from Friday? As as bad as that sounds, um, because who wants to leave? But who do you think is going to stand out and, and uh, possibly get get a move out of uh, performing in the Champions League?
1: Um, for me, I think it would definitely be Top Mac, um and yeah. probably Subkov, the other player. Um, I, I think it'll be really hard for any midfielder and defender to, to properly stand out because um, I think they're just going to get overran. I think we're barely going to see the defence on the ball. I think the defending's going to have to be la- last ditch. And even if you, you're one defender, you, you, you're not going to, I don't think, really stand out in these games because I think you're going to have the backs to the wolves throughout. Backs the wall throughout the whole game, so um, I think it's, it's going to be tough, and you kind of probably be let down by your teammates a little bit. Um I, th- I think it'd be attacking player probably stand out the most for me. That is probably Top Map. Um, he was a he was really quiet in the in the home leg against Molder, um, so we really need to see the best of him in all these Champions League games. If Roddy, are going to have any chance. Of making that third position and, and have only chance of kind of um, being threatening in these games. I think he he is the one player, along with Subkov, who really has the, um, really has extra ability outside the league. I think there's obviously really, really good players in that team as, as we've spoken before about Blazic and Civic. Um, Kharadin, I think it's awesome. Um, we Shige has obviously been really good in in the league. Um, De Bush as well, but um, Topmac to me is special because he he can dribble. He has an amazing dribbling ability, and I don't care who you, who you are, what defender you are, um, you're going to struggle to be able to defend against topmak at his best because he, he's an amazing seven, really low center of gravity, and can turn it on a sixpence, and like no defender in the world stops that. So. I think he's the person who could really step out and and make a name for himself uh, along with uh, and like he has in qualifying so far. And Zulkov as well, who we've not really seen the best of in this Champions League campaign, but um, he's got a hell of a left foot and um, he can pretty much score for, or he can at least be dangerous from anywhere. He's got he's got great passing ability. So I think those two for me are the are the two who really could stand out and cause a threat to any team that they play because they are really that good, I think.
0: Excellent, yeah, and I completely agree with all of that. Um, Chris, obviously you watched um, Friday's game. Obviously, MB1 level is uh, is still, you know, a little bit above Champions League, but um, Robert Mack, who signed for Friday just before deadline day in Hungary, um, he looks a, a very, very good addition to this team.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, you know, that, it seems to that uh, Friday has, has signed a few players here in the last couple of weeks, um, but Mac is definitely going to be uh, add some depth. I think. Um, you know, mo- moving forward, um, I- I'm not quite sure how much time he'll get in um, in the Champions League, um, but uh, you know, my guess is that they're going to rotate. And, and play the, the best players that are, that are performing uh, week to week and try to keep them healthy and try to keep them on the pitch as long as possible. And, um, uh, you know, I feel like, um, as, again, as much as we want to see players um, uh, playing their best creative attacking type football um, I, I don't know if that's really going to be the case, especially against teams like Barcelona and like Juventus. But I feel like a player like Matt can really help them, um, you know, playing um, a little more defensive and, and and really be able to control the play. If they do, like Tom said, if they do get an early goal, um, you know, some, for, for them to be able to um, really just pull back, get behind the ball and extend that time where they have the advantage, I think will be good for them because if they, it could be the difference between a goal differential of three or a goal differential of one or two or even five or six. So, um, you know, we'll see going forward.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, Barcelona upcoming for them is, uh, is Real Madrid and Juventus in a, in, in a matter of weeks. So, you know, our best hope really is that they, that they un- underestimate Friday and, um, you know, also when when uh, the games are being played in Hungary, obviously moving to the national stadium is is a great move because they can have twenty thousand fans, um, you know, backing them there. And uh, for for a lot of these, you know, these bigger clubs, Juventus, um, Barcelona, who have not played in front of fans for a long time, I think they're going to get a bit of a shock when uh, half the stadium looks like it's on fire and they're getting abuse and things like that. So. You know we just keep we live in hope we live in hope um tom focusing on the on the champions league still uh we've got some more Hungarian players that are involved um obviously orban Galaci at Red Bull uh leipzig and um our man Dom Soberschly at um salzburg um I guess starting with Dom really. There was so much speculation. we were all guilty of it. Where is he going to end up? Is he going to milan um but I think he's made an absolutely phenomenal move by staying there. It's probably the most sensible thing a great Hungarian talent has done in my living memory. yeah, I
1: definitely agree i um i think I think it's actually something that uh, Harland did as well uh, last year because I think he was touted to to leave Salzburg and then he said, "No, nah, I'm going to play in the Champions League um, with with Salzburg um, in the in the autumn season uh, and show everyone how good I am in the Champions League and stick with this team and be loyal." And I think Salzburg done exactly that. Um, I remember saying when we started these pods um, that. Um, restarted these pods in quarantine. That I think Soboslay needs to stay at Salzburg, to become their best player, and I think he has done that. Um, I think it showed that at the end of when when we came back from lockdown, just how good he was. He ended up winning Austrian Player of the Year, uh, Austrian League Player of the Year, and I think yeah, it's really sensible to to stay at um, Salzburg for this European campaign, um, get that experience playing for for Salzburg in the Champions League got um they've got a very winnable tie on on Tuesday against Locomotive Moscow, which is probably their easiest game in the in the group. And then they've got by in Atletico Madrid um after that. And it's it's a real chance for him to shine. Um as the as pretty much the star man. He he got another three assists today um in Salzburg's Cup game. Um and he's been in outstanding form this season um again. And what is he? Nineteen. Um, I think he turns twenty next month. Um, this is a real chance for him to kind of show how good he is um, on on the biggest stage of all at uh, Salzburg. And then, then say Salzburg come fin- finish third in the group, which is expected of them, I guess, which would be a good a good result. Um, and yeah, then move along in January after after showing the world how good you are and. And you'll get a better move out of it as well, just like Carlin did when he scored all those goals in in, in, in the group stage last season, and then they ended up moving to Dortmund. I think it's I think yeah, it's, it's super
0: smart. Very much for for all parties really. I mean the club, uh, the, the money that he's going to command is is just going to go up and up and up and up. Um, do you think, though, like, from from a club's point of view, that have been scouting at him? Obviously, everyone can see his talent. Uh, there's nothing hidden there do you think they'll take that extra long look at him now that um, he's going to be playing in the champions league because ultimately the, t- the kind of teams that he's going to go for are going to be playing in that in that competition every year do you think that will put some people off um or you know that, that might watch that and think okay um just didn't do it or a talent to be nurtured
1: yeah, it's a tough one because, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it is only six games. So I don't think if you're a scout, you should be judging the player on six games. But it's definitely, I think, I don't think you should be judging them maybe from a positive or negative view. But if he does perform really badly in those six games, um, like, because this is a step up from the Austrian league, no doubt about it. then it is going to play on the minds of 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 not only scouts but football fans as well say if Bayern get linked to Soboslai and he has an absolute shocker in the two games against him but like the fans aren't particularly going to be interested in him they're going to think oh well, he was awful against us or, and the scouts also could exactly be put off I don't think they should think like that but I definitely think they will um, but I think if he performs amazing in these six games I think that's when we will Everyone will stand up and be like, oh, this guy, if he can make that jump playing for that team and he shines against Bayern, then, yeah, this guy's the real deal. And I think, yeah, he'll probably get a better move out of it if he does perform. It's exciting to watch, to be honest. And and that game's on Wednesday as well. Um, The Friday game's on Tuesday. The Leipzig game's on Tuesday. But um, that game's on Wednesday. And I think it's on M4 as well. So... I definitely uh recommend everyone to watch that because it, it could be a bit uh, an exciting one.
0: Very much so, and and Chris, there there are parallels um, with uh, Jujak, who you know burst onto the scene at a young age, played Champions League football for, for PSV, um, and then became you know the, the kind of focal point um, for Hungary as well. Do you think? Um, As Tom said, he's 19 years old. It's scary how good he is. He really, really is that good. But he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders now. He's got to perform in the Champions League, um, albeit for Salzburg, who are not necessarily expected to do particularly well. But whoever he moves to, there'll be the pressure on for them to do well. Also, Hungary, he's now our main guy. He's our main guy um, at 19 years of age. Do you think um, something that that he can cope with? Um, what do you know about his mentality? Um,
2: I, I don't know um, much about his mentality. I mean, at least I think someone like Tom might know more. All I can say is any teenager, 19 years old, um, you know, between, between that 17 to 21, 22-year-old range, I mean, you're – uh, your brain isn't still fully developed, and it takes a very special person to deal with that kind of stress and pressure. Um, like you said, it's not just one front; it's two, two and three fronts. I mean, it's at first, it's it's a national team pressure, and I think anytime you have a, a you know a kid that young with the weight of an entire nation upon your shoulders, that in and of itself is is, is massive, you know? Um, and if he was playing for, you know, Kishvarda or Medjugorje or something like that, and, and, you know, he wasn't playing for uh, a team in Europe, then that's, that's, that's one thing. And that's one thing already, but now saying they're in the group stage, um, with, uh, the, uh, the Austrian champions and he's playing domestically there. Uh, he's playing, um, you know, every week pretty much now between now and mid, in mid-December mid on, on the biggest stage with the hopes of that on his shoulders. that That's another thing. And then third is his own um, aspirations. You know, he's playing for his future. He's playing for the next big contract. So um, not only does he have the um, Hungarian people, uh, the supporters of Red Bull uh, Salzburg, but also, um, you know, himself – to 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 play for and to show that he can um, be ready for whatever challenge um, might might befall him or might invite itself uh, next. As, as Tom mentioned, you know he goes into a uh, and plays against uh, Bayern Munich and and just has a stinker. Um, that that's not going to look real good. Is he the same talent? Yeah, but I mean th- they're expecting him at 19 to have all the answers or to lead. I think it's really difficult for a 19 year old to, to, lead. Um, you know, we've seen a few, we've seen Marcus Rashford come in and um, but again, like I said, it takes a really special person. And I think Tom mentioned um, a year ago or less than that or so that he had some doubts about where he's at, where Silva is at in terms of um, you know, what he can maintain or, you know, is he going to be the one that kind of puts in that extra work and uh, and really goes in and shows that he can be that kind of person? I think the jury's still out. Um, you know, that that's that's about as far as I can see it with him. I think I think it's an unknown, and I think this season between now and say the the first of the year is really going to show us who he is.
0: Tom, pick any club in Europe. You, you, I'll give you I'll give you the budget to uh, to buy Soboschle. Um best fit what do you think the best fit for 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 him to go to would be
1: um i th- I I think leipzig I I I've said this since I think he started at lefvering I I I always thought that his best path would be to to salzburg obviously because that was a parent club and then to um then to leipzig because it just makes the jump so much more easy um they're a team who are uh, obviously a top level uh European club. Obviously made the Champions League semi-final. They're not top, top tier. They're not um I know they went further than Barcelona, but they're not Barcelona level. It's not that same pressure, it's not that same intensity. Um and and I think that would be too much of a jump for him to to, to go to a top, top tier club like a And also like a Juventus, a Man United, um, a a Man City, a Liverpool, um, a Bayern Munich. I think that's just too much of a jump uh, from the Austrian League. I mean, someone like Man United, I think it'd be a a huge upgrade on a lot of their players. But it's just kind of the pressure that goes with that. Like If he doesn't perform within, I don't know, five games, then people are going to be questioning him. And he'll probably get a loan move to... To, I don't know, a newly promoted team in the Premier League and that's not what we want. Whereas with Leipzig, um, I, think I, just seen, I think it seems perfect. It's obviously part of the Red Bull family, so you imagine that like Leipzig want this to happen already. They probably wouldn't want it to, in it to happen for ages, so they kind of know how that will fit in with the team. Nagelsmann is, is like arguably the best young coach in the world right now, so you it'd be an amazing manager to, to mentor him and to teach him how to play the game. Like I said, Leipzig got to the Champions League semi-final last season. They're always in the top four now in, in the Bundesliga. He'll have a lot of time to settle in the team because there's not got that pressure of being a top, top-tier club and they're, they're very good at nurturing young players. Um, well, I guess also one of his mates is there in Galachi and and, and another international teammate in Orban. I I think there's there's just so many positives and probably no negatives about going to Leipzig. I think it just, there's been rumours about it recently as well. And I just think that that fits perfectly. Another team I think would be really good would be Dortmund um, because again, they are um, just really good at nurturing players in, in the same way as Leipzig are. Um, it's a bit tougher i think um at, at Dortmund um and i think he probably could perform for that ability but it's just a little bit riskier they've got players like Jude bellingham um they've they've got a lot of young players in there and it's kind of sink or swim a little bit more sink or swim it's not like going to man united or whatever but um i just think leipzig's a perfect fit for me
0: Absolutely. Dortmund's a Dortmund's a cracking shout as well. Um, you know, like Gio Reyna scoring for him at sixteen years old and and you know, staying there and thereabouts the first team as well, it'd be an incredible incredible club for him. And he, he fits them as well because um you know, huge sell on value, buy buy low, sell high. Um but like you say, with we, uh, with going to uh, to Leipzig, um he gets to play at that high level and if he does um outgrow the club then you know there's Bayern there's Dortmund like you say there's, there's plenty of opportunities to stand in the Bundesliga um Chris Haber- yeah,
1: exactly it's kind of sorry it's just kind oh. of uh another it's, a, it's like you say it's like a, there's another step to take after that so it's kind of it's, it's still a progression path if you're at Dortmund as well like I just I just feel it's a bit harder at Dortmund um which maybe like some people will like someone like Haaland or like that and some personalities just will find it a bit tougher because, like you say, like Gio Reyna um, coming through at 16 and then you've got Sancho and you've got, still got Royce in there, you've got Bellingham, you've got all these amazing talents. It's just a bit tougher, I think, because they Dortmund are so good and they're such a big team. Um, but, yeah, like at Leipzig, you've got that next level to go to if you end up being amazing there. Look at Werner, look at Keita, they've moved on to, better, uh, to bigger clubs, to like the top-tier level clubs. So I think it's perfect
0: yeah absolutely and um I, you know i this is this is the first player since jujack that i've genuinely been really 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 excited about um I, I just hope he doesn't follow that path that's all we can hope chris um all we've got uh is is orban and Gulachi, obviously in in the champions league as well um they're veterans now really chris um Obviously, Tom gave us a good background on Leipzig there and what's kind of expected of of, of them. Um, Willie seems to be struggling a bit um, in terms of getting into the side at the moment. But um Galash is going to be a regular.
2: Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, he's he has been. And um, as Tom mentioned before, um, for the national team being handed that that captain's armband, I think will do wonders for his Confidence and some of the saves that he's made recently, um, you know, it's it's uh, they they've had some success and I think he's been a big part of that. And I've always felt like he was a better club player than he was an international player um, uh, for whatever reason. And, um, you know, for, for Galassi, I think this is, uh, this could just be a a really solid year for him, a breakthrough year for him. Um, not, not personally. I I mean, I think just leading the team and being that, um, superstar from, uh, from between the, the posts, I think will be this, this just really affords him the opportunity now to take what he's doing internationally and, um, and allow, uh, Leipzig to take that next step, um. But um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think, you know, Galassi has always been um, a very key player for them. And I think this year um, he could just take that next level step to making being a real difference maker and uh, getting them to uh, to the next round.
0: Good stuff, guys. Well, um, the next time we we speak, we will know how friday did against barcelona um and we'll also preview the uh, the upcoming home game with dynamo kiev so um fingers crossed hi rafradi and all of that um tom thank you so much for being with us tonight it's been a it's been a good chat as always
1: yeah thanks guys thank you for me on.
0: and chris great stuff as well from you sir uh, enjoy your baseball playoffs of course. Yeah, this is
2: tis the season, as they say. But
0: thanks for having having me also. I always enjoy being with you guys. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And also catch up on the uh, some other great podcasts um, on, on the same channel. Uh, some really good interviews as well. Um, just whet your appetite before um, Champions League on Tuesday. Take care. Bye-bye. And
2: that's a wrap.